really uh, grateful for Pastor Brennan's message last week on the redeemed community. And we're going to pick it up kind of in a part two this week and part three next week uh, regarding the redeemed community. And um, today, if you want to, you can follow along in the outline that's in your bulletin. And uh, today we uh, want to add in, how, so how is it functioning? How is the redeemed community supposed to be functioning? And uh, you can see it in your outline there. Uh, the redeemed community where everything is powered by the fuel of God's grace. It's got to be that way, folks. Whether we're talking about in a large setting or a connect group or a Sunday school group or in the nursery or whatever, in special music, it must be powered by the fuel of God's grace. We need to keep emphasizing that because all too often we're, we're prone to think it's about my effort. But my effort or your effort is the arm of the flesh and the arm of the flesh will... fail you. The arm of the flesh will fail you. So no matter what you're doing within the body of Christ, within the family of God, it needs to be powered by God's grace. The redeemed community is also about all about body life. Body life is all about being together. And we'll say it again. There's no Lone Ranger Christians. There's no Lone Ranger Christians. If you think, oh, I'm a Christian, or you, maybe you know someone, because it's like I'm preaching to the choir, here you are. But if you know someone that says, oh yeah, I'm a Christian, but I don't go to church. I have church out in the mountains. I have church out in the hills, out in the meadows. Well, that's nice to hear, but that's not the church out there. The church isn't a building. The church is a people. And we come together to worship. Okay, and... and in, in regards to a community of believers, whether they be large or small, you know, it's connecting with each other. You're in a family. You were, Brandon mentioned it last week. You're saved, not as an individual, but you're saved and put into the family of God. But in our society, we've been conditioned to say, oh yeah, yeah, I, I'm, I'm just doing my own thing. And somehow we accept that. That's wrong. It's wrong. And we need to be remembering we're a part of a family of believers. Okay? So um, the body life is all about being together, not being on your own or isolated. Okay? Now, because of this grace empowerment, that's what's available for every believer. Because of the grace empowerment, we endeavor... Here at Parkside, we endeavor to manifest this grace in our lives. We want to manifest this grace in our lives. Psalm 34 says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble will hear of it and rejoice. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us, right? Let us exalt his name together. There's so many things in the book of Psalms that talk about it being about a group, an assembly, a congregation. Okay? Psalm 111, verse 1. It's, praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with all my heart in the company of the upright. Okay? 
So we need to remember that. And then when we gather like this, again, the, the issue that we're wanting to emphasize is, you know, we can't all, uh, you know, connect in a setting like this. We want to break it down. We want to see smaller groups come together and minister to one another. Okay? So, here's what we want to do in looking at this and answering this question. How is it functioning? Turn to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. It spells it out for all the believers. For all believers. You got that? So if you're saying, I'm a believer, this is the norm. This is not the... uh, This is not just for... You know, some super saints. This is the norm for every child of God. Romans 12, verses 1 through 8. Okay? So we'll break it down into these sections. You see it in your outline. Verses 1 and 2. His grace directs our transformation. He's the director. He's the conductor. He's the orchestrator of our transformation. This is God's work in us to make us more and more like His all-glorious Son, Jesus. Through faith in Christ, we already have His perfect, completed work done. His righteousness is imputed to your account. Okay? So, it's done. It's a perfected work. It's done on your account. It's done on your behalf. And you had no, no part in that. It's all His perfect righteousness. And now, we have this standing as children of God. Behold, what manner of love the Father has given unto us that we should be called, what? Children of God, and such we are. Are you a child of God? If you claim that, then are you living that way? Are you looking like the Father? Are you looking like the Son in your your behavior? That's the point behind trans. Uh, transformation now it's not just about here's the status that you have or the position that you have your position in Christ is holy and blameless not because of what you've accomplished but because of what Christ did on your behalf right <clears throat> so it's all thanks to Christ all thanks to Christ all praise to Christ because of what he accomplished but This transformation is being done to bring forth more and more Christ-likeness in your life. In our behavior. In our responses. In our reactions to life. In our thoughts. In our attitudes. In our practice. That's what God wants to do. Is make you look more and more like Jesus. And that's why it's so important that we understand it's all about His grace. His work in our lives today. Okay? How are you, child of God, how are you cooperating with this process? Are you cooperating with this? Remember, it's His work. It's all about His, what He's done. But are you cooperating with it? Are you harboring sin attitudes? Are you harboring uh, bitterness towards uh, somebody else? Are you making it a practice to talk about somebody behind their back? You know, all those things. That's what God wants to 
take care of it and work out in your life and, and, and smooth over and say, no, that's not the way. Here's the way. And he wants to transform your life and my life. That's why Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, uh, verse 2 says, be not conformed to this world. Now, as you go about living your life, you and I, as we're in the word, we ought to be exposed to the things that are in the world. That ought to expose, here's, here's, here's we're hanging on to this stuff. We're hanging on to these kind of attitudes and thought processes. It's all. It's not just a certain little segment of your life. It's everything about you that God wants to transform. Okay? So he says, do not be conformed to this world, in verse 2, but be transformed by good works. No, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do you do that? Through the Word of God. It's through the Word of God that the Spirit of God works with the Word of God to bring about a transformation in your life. It's a miracle. Okay? It's a miracle. He wants to bring this about so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Okay? So, His grace directs our transformation. Number two, His grace drives us to sober judgment. Sober judgment. Look at verse three. For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but here it is, to think so as to have sound judgment, sober judgment, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. <clears throat> this causes us to see more and more the problem of our pride and our arrogance. He's saying that right off the start. Look at this, verse 3. I say to everyone among you, believers, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think. In other words, be humble. Humble yourselves. Don't allow pride and arrogance to rule the day. And that means at home, at work, at school, wherever you are. Don't let pride and arrogance rule. Understand, here's the... This is like the, the all-purpose blessing of God. The all-purpose lotion, if you will. Humble yourself before the almighty hand of God. Humble yourself. Humble yourself. Our biggest problem is the, the root of pride and, and arrogance in our lives. My ego. That's the biggest problem that we have. That's where all sorts of other stuff pops up. Because of that root of pride and sinful, that old flesh. It's just driven by pride. <clears throat> so, it causes us to have sober judgment. Being recipients of His grace. Now, that, by the way, that pride and that arrogance, a lot of times is covered by in self-righteousness. That's what can happen so easily going to church. Going to church. Self-righteousness pops up in Christians. You know, we can be pros at it. We can be experts at that. So it comes back again. Humble yourself before God. Humble yourself before God. <clears throat> Being recipients of His grace. So that here's the truth of grace. Here's the reality of grace in Jesus. It's all about grace, what he did for us. And the impact of grace upon the believer's life <clears throat> leads us to humility. We didn't deserve it. In talking to Darren this morning, you know, he said, I, I deserve hell. He gets it. I, I deserve hell. 
Any one of us ought to be able to say that. I deserve hell. I deserve condemnation. So don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. So always, always in our lives as believers, remind yourself, remind yourself that were it not for Jesus, now fill in the blank, were it not for Jesus and his perfect work on the cross, I would still be imprisoned in my sin. I would still be in chains. I would still be under condemnation from God, the perfect and holy judge. I'd still be under that. Christian, that's why we sing. My chains are gone. I've been set free. Do you glory in that? Do you glory in what He's done for you out of His grace? And that's what ought to drive our lives. To be lives that are, you know, joyful in the Lord. The joy of the Lord is my strength. It's because of what He's done. My chains are gone. Do you believe that? Christian, do you believe that? Or are you living as though you're still in bondage? I've been set free. I want to live that way. Number three, His grace draws out diversity from unity. In your outline, number three, we want to look at Romans 12, 4 and 5. For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Okay? One of the insights to this is the issue of beauty. We like to emphasize being a unified group. We're all in the same family. Unity, unity, unity. But sometimes that almost comes across like, well, we kind of start looking like and sounding like each other. We don't want that. In, in one hand, we want, we want that. But on the other hand, we want the diversity. Because... That's what grace draws out. According to verse 4 and 5, and according to 1 Corinthians 12, if Paul says there, if the whole body were an eye, here we've gone into a Disney movie, you know, Monsters, Inc. or something, you know, a big eye, right? If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? Right? So there's diversity from the unity. And that's what we want to encourage. And that's what can be encouraged, like especially in a connect group. You see that somebody has an ability or a strength in certain ways that you don't. And you, you, you appreciate that. And you, you want to acknowledge that. And you want to see that in action more and more. And there's beauty in that. Right? That's the picture of the body. Is it in balance? Is it, you know... Showing strength. That's the picture that Jesus gives us with you are part of the body of Christ. So, unity and diversity, they go together because they show off a strength and grace of a strong, healthy body. Okay? So, it might be that, um, you know, you don't have the same gifting as somebody else. So, you don't belong here then, right? Right? Huh? 
What? Yes, because if you're if you're a believer, you have that gifting. And we talk, we, he goes right into that issue of gifting. Number four, his grace is demonstrated as we exercise our gifts. We exercise our gifts. Now, um, use what you've been given. God has gifted you, Christian. God's gifted you. So develop it. Start using it. A lot of times we think, oh, it's got to be the big, huge, you know, uh, I need to develop my gift in this. It might just be in a simple way. <laughs> Yesterday at the wedding, all sorts of people serving, serving, simply serving and helping with the serving, you know. Well, that's a picture of what Christ has for us. There's some people, you look at verse 6 through 8, look at it in, verse, in chapter 12. 6 through 8. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly if prophecy according to the proportion of his faith, if service in his serving, or he teaches in his teaching. See, that's why we, we look at these gifts and that's why we break them into these kind of categories. The categories aren't listed for us, but we read it and learn of it and say, oh, there's really a speaking category of gifts, prophecy, it's, it's not foretelling, it's forth-telling. That's the idea in prophecy here. <clears throat> and then in serving. You know, being able to come alongside and help and serve in simple, blessed ways. So, use the gifting that you have. Don't hide behind the excuse, oh, that's not my gift. Don't hide behind that excuse. It might be that you're... You're a quiet one that wants to be in the background and serves. But what happens when you're called upon to give a testimony? Well, I'm, I don't, I'm not gifted with speaking. So, what, you're not going to give your testimony about how Christ saved you? Because you don't have the gift? No, just understand there's opportunities all over the place in life. But here's, here's a, in a unique way, here's something that so-and-so can do a great job at speaking, at exhorting, at teaching, at leading. Those are kind of in speaking ways. Then there's others that are kind of behind the scenes, showing mercy, exhorting, you know, serving, helping. So, that's our first passage. Our second passage, I want you to turn over to Hebrews chapter 3. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 3. <coughs> I want to... I said Hebrews 3. Yes, it's Hebrews 3. And in chapter 12... Uh, I'm sorry. Verse 12. I'll get this straight. In verse 12... Look at what it says. Take care, brethren, that there not be in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. But encourage one another day after day, as long as it is still called today, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For if we 
For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold fast the beginning of our assurance firm until the end. <clears throat> Here we have more insights on being grace-empowered. And we learn, and here's point number five, His grace deters us from falling away, from hardening of the heart. And that's what you can fill in your blank with. From the hardening of the heart. So we want to talk about this. This is talking to Jewish believers. And they're being told, hey, you have an example from the people of Israel as to how they rebelled against God and their hearts were hardened against God. So there's a lesson from the, in the Old Testament for us. And now here's the warning that the writer of the Hebrews gives us to say to one another. You know, let's not have this problem, this disease that so easily comes up. The hardening of your heart. What's the one thing that God's looking for in his children? That God expects from man. That God demands from man. You know what it is? What we have, the, we would say, is the fullness of blessing. The fullness of blessing. What is it? Listen, it's a heart of faith. A heart that's been filled by God. And it, it's, it just keeps moving in that direction of saying, I'm going to walk by faith. No matter what hits me, no matter what I face, I'm, I'm wanting a heart of faith in God. I want to keep looking to Him. That's what God wants to develop. Because a heart of faith is going to be transformed. Romans chapter 12. It will be transformed into Christ's likeness, a heart of faith, a faith in Jesus. Okay? So, he's saying, beware, beware of falling away by an evil, unbelieving heart. Now, mark down Psalm 95, because that's where he's quoting from here in Hebrews. Psalm 95, he's, he's uh, alluding to that. And so what we need to do is, Examine What ways can my heart be hardened? Look at that. Look at that in your own life. Are there ways in which your heart can be hardened to the things of God? He's talking about believers. Unbelievers already have their heart in darkness. If they hear the message and keep rejecting it, keep rejecting it, there's a hardening and a callousing a searing of the conscience. That's what happens when people keep rejecting the gospel message. Their conscience is seared as with a hot iron. So Christian, you look at it and you say, well, I don't have that problem. Yes, you do. You and I need to watch out for the hardening of the heart problem. And it can be, it's, it's not going to be advertising in a big way. Hey, you're going to have this disease. So, it, no, you're going to, it's going to be subtle. It'll be subtle. Because what happens if, if we don't have fellowship, if we, it, fellowship in the real sense, not just over red punch and cookies. It, fellowship in the real sense. Uh, connect group. If we don't have sincere fellowship around the Word of God, around um, encouraging one another, 
it's so easy to sit back and just, you know, come to church on Sunday and kind of say, yeah, and still go on with a disease of a hardened heart. You can be here on every Sunday morning for your whole life and still be dealing with a hard heart. So that's what we open up the word for is so that we'll be exposed to what we're so prone to have heaven. You know, it's, it's like this, folks, this is extremely contagious. You know, it's an extremely contagious issue for us. The hardening of your heart. And so, as with unbelief, a person falls away from God or rejects God, so with belief and continuing in that way of that pathway, in a pathway of belief, guess what? You draw near to God. You keep saying, I want to draw near to God. How? Through walking in faith, reading the Bible, believing it. Applying it. Asking God for His strength every day. Okay? Now, most who have this problem of the hard heart... I, you know what? To be honest, <laughs> I'll use myself as an example. I could be up here in front of you preaching and I could have a hard heart. I don't want that. But that's the way people can work. That's the way you know we can cover things up. I could put a mask on and say, well... I'm not going to let them know. I'll just act like everything's cool. But you know what? In a small group, I can't hide like that, folks. I cannot hide very long in a smaller group setting. Because someone's going to come up to me and say, you know, so, you've been in the Word lately? You know, how are you doing with your wife? How are things really going? Now, now that I said that, some of you are saying, well, I'm not going to sign up for Connect Group. <laughs> so continue on in hardness of heart. Now, I know I, I might be exaggerating the point. Some of you might not be able to sign up for a Connect Group. I get that. I understand that. But I just want you to connect these dots and say, you know what? You and you and you and you and you are so susceptible to the hardness of heart. And so often it's, it's even encouraged by the Christian community. What I said at the beginning of the message. Hey, you can do it on your own. You don't need, you know, you, you're, you can be a little island off on your own, worshiping the Lord. And so much of the Christian emphasis in our lives in America is all about you. You get that? It's all about you. Me. And it, where do you see that in the Bible? You know, the Bible keeps coming back with this idea of the church and to the glory of God. And the one another's. How do you do the one another's on your own? <laughs> you can't. So that's why we're, we're, we need to be reminded over and over again. You're brought into God's family by grace. And so that you'd also then live by grace and learn to connect with others and share with others the life of Christ. Okay? So, the warning is there. The warning in Hebrews, take care, brethren, 
that you don't get this disease of the hardness of heart. Now, number six, we've got to move along. Number six, point number six in your outline. His grace is designed to be a shared necessity. Not just a shared option, but a shared necessity. His grace. Verse 13. Okay? But encourage one another day after day. See that? It's day after day. And a lot of times we're on a week after week basis and sometimes a a month after month basis and sometimes in a, what do they call it? A CEO. You like that one? The CEO basis. Christmas and Easter only. No? And it's like, you know, we get in trouble. Something bad happens. Oh, let's go to church. I I get that. I understand that. We get pinched, we get squeezed, and we want to cry out to God, please help me. But, you know what? We're, We're designed to not forsake. Don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some. But encourage one another. Day after day, as you see the day uh, arriving, you know, the day is coming. The day of the Lord, you know. There's supposed to be a uniqueness about the body of Christ. Yes? And so that's what we want to encourage. We want to encourage this, that there be a uniqueness about the body of Christ so that when someone comes in, that they see Jesus. In you. I'll share this with you this morning. Darren comes in, he's asking about being baptized, and I get to asking him questions and saying, you know, do you know the Lord? Do you, do you have faith in Jesus? And he, he told me about his time with Eric and Endicott, and that was only like three or four weeks ago. Chris Ward and I walked out, and the room was dark, and they're sitting right up front here. Darren tells me, now he's a high school graduate going into the Navy, but he tells me, you know what? I've seen Jesus in people here. Yes. (laughs) I want to encourage you in that way. Because we can be so easily hardened in the heart We can be so easily self-righteous. We can be so easily... We're just our little huddle. Leave us be. You know, we don't want to add anyone else. We're just about us. (laughs) Don't mess up our group. What did He call us for? Where does He sprinkle the salt? The salt goes all over. The salt is there. You are the salt of the earth. (laughs) You're the light of the world. Yeah. So, you know what? I look at verse 13 in, in Hebrews 3, and I say, you know what? His grace is designed to be a shared necessity. I need to share it with you. You need to share it with me. And how? 
I want to encourage you in your walk with the Lord. You want to encourage me in my walk with the Lord. Not just in a general, hey, having a good day? Great. See ya. I mean, sometimes that happens. I know. But in small group setting, in connect group setting, or in Sunday school, or in Awana, or in senior saints, whatever groups. How are you doing in your walk with the Lord? Let's, I want to pray for you. I've noticed that you've been down. I want to pray for you. All those kinds of things. There's, all, there's a, a whole number of things that we can minister to and encourage one another in this way and point each other to Jesus as we walk through this life. You know what? We're, stranger, we're, we're called strangers and aliens. We're not supposed to be uh, like unto this world. We're supposed to be different than... Don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind through the Word of God. Okay? So, under number six, you can't leave without filling in the blanks, right? (laughs) This is a shared necessity. This can and should happen through mutual daily encouragement. Mutual, back and forth, daily encouragement. Encouragement. I don't wait till Sunday to connect with the guy I'm thinking about or the couple that I might be thinking about. I want to call them Tuesday night and say, Hey, I've been thinking about you. How can I pray for you? Uh, Sunday school teachers, Awana leaders, calling the kids during the week. Hey, how you doing? I just had a great time with you Wednesday night. I just wanted to let you know that. Encouragement. Right? And the word encouragement here is paraclete. You've heard that word before. To come alongside of someone. That's what the Holy Spirit does when we come to faith in Christ. The, 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 the comforter comes, the, the paraclete, the one who comforts us. Okay? And it's especially that we come alongside one another and help each other in the battle that we're facing You know of people right around you in this room who might be just dealing with health issues. Or you know that they might be dealing with financial problems or whatever. Come alongside and minister to them. Okay? So here we see that each member is entrusted by the Lord Jesus to love and care for fellow members. We're called to help and encourage one another. There's the goal as we minister as the body of Christ. How? The question, how? Okay. As individual members connect. There it is. That's why we call it connect groups. When you're connecting, you know, there's more potential for ministry and encouragement in that way. Okay. What for? To beware of and to avoid the deceitfulness of sin. This is where it's, it's now again. Here's something trick trickery uh, uh, it's a strategy by the enemy and sin seldom appears as it really is comes across very subtle that's why he says the deceitfulness of sin okay today so that while it's called today so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin John MacArthur says this the old nature always thinks the old nature always thinks 
sin is not as bad and that trusting Christ is not as important as the Bible says. I want to say that again. The old nature thinks that sin is not as bad and that trusting Christ is not as important as the Bible says. Let's come again to faith in what the Bible says. Faith in what God tells us and walk in that way so that we can be alert to the trappings of the deceitfulness of sin. Number seven, point number seven, His grace is our deposit and help as we are partakers in Christ and persevere to the end. I know that's a long one, but that's what verse 14 tells us. Look at verse 14. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold fast the beginning of our assurance firm until the end. Okay? Now this this gets into what's called the perseverance of the saints. And we need to wrap it up with this because it, this, I mean, this is a, a challenging one. Okay? If we really believe the gospel... You sit here and you say, yes, I believe in the gospel. If we've committed our life to Jesus Christ, then at the end of the day, the end of the month, the end of the year, the end of our lives, will the commitment still stand? You say, wait a minute, I thought you were saying that it's about grace, that God's covered it all. Yes, but the Bible says about this issue of persevering till the end, the end of life. I don't truly understand every angle of this. But here is this to think about. The greatest proof of salvation. The greatest proof of salvation is continuance. It's today. Today. And when you're, uh, you younger people, when you're 80, 90 years old, the greatest proof of salvation is today. When you're 90 years old. Are you abiding in his word? Are you trusting in him? Because think of this, the parable of the soils. Seed was thrown on the, the hard ground. Popped up real quick and then faded away. They, weren't, they didn't persevere to the end. Okay? And so again... In a roundabout way, this comes back to grace. It comes back to God's grace. Because we need it every day. So now what? We wrap it up with the so what question. Are there any problems that you've come up with with God's grace? As you observe things and read things? Do you, do you find any faults with God's grace? you find any leaks in the reservoir? Of God's grace? Tell me, have you found it? Have you found that there's any problems with God's grace? That's my point. There's none. There's no problems with God's grace. Do we ever run out of God's grace? Anyone here ever run out of God's grace? See, we don't. That's the point. So, based on the sufficiency of God's grace... Here's what we do. Number one, bank on God's grace today. Just bank on it. You've got to think of it in terms that way. You know, in this life, we bank, you know, put our 
treasured our money away at the bank. They're secure, right? <laughs> we hope. But in, a, in an eternal way, bank on God's grace. Do it today. For today. Today's the day. You read about it in Hebrews chapter 3. Then also occupy till he comes. You and I are accountable to him and we are stewards of what he's given. Luke 19, Jesus says that simple little phrase, occupy till I come. And what does that word mean? It's from the Greek word pragma. Ooh, pragma. You know what English word we have for that? Pragmatic. Hmm. Now, we're not to just say, whatever works, just do it. We're not to go there. But with God's grace, Jesus is saying in Luke 19, Hey, go and do business with what I've given you. Go and trade. That's the word. That's the idea of what it means. Go trade with this. Multiply it. And that's the idea of what, what has God given us? His grace. That's the deposit we have. Okay? And then lastly, be faithful with what he's given you. Matthew 25, 21 says, His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. You know what? I know we've crammed a lot of things in here. But when we say, Lord, help us to do this, help us to track along with what is in Romans 12 and Hebrews 3, those, just those three verses, and all the other one another's. When we do that, you know what? We look more and more like a really redeemed community of believers. And that's what the Lord would have for us. We're called to encourage one another, to exhort one another today and every day. It's not hard to see that there are Christians who would rather pattern them their lives after something in the world than after their Lord and Savior. I want to encourage us not to be like Christians who are pattering themselves after things in the world. But let's remember our Savior. He's worth it. He's more than worth it. He is worthy of eternal, unending praise. So today is the day. Encourage and lift up Christ Let's pray together. Now, may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind with one another according to Christ Jesus so that with one accord you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. To God be the glory. Help us, dear Lord, today with what you've given us. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. God bless you and you're dismissed.